Hey everyone, welcome back to another video. So, I kinda had to take an unexpected trip to go see my family and help them out with some things. So in this video, one of my good friends, Swamp Dweller, is gonna be helping me out with some of these stories. If you enjoy his narration, definitely check out his channel and subscribe. And big thanks to him for helping me out. All that being said, let's begin. And remember to always stay hungry. I've been camping, solo backpacking, and hunting my whole life in Oregon, and felt really comfortable in the woods and have a deep respect for nature. A few years ago, my wife, daughter, and two German shepherds went camping north of Mount Jefferson, Oregon. I've included the coordinates of our campsite, which we found to be the perfect setup for us and our two dogs, who need their privacy since they're intimidating to other dog owners and can be loud when spooked. It wasn't an established campsite, just a nice horseshoe off USFS road that had flat ground, full trees, and a fire pit. The first night, my daughter wanted to sleep by herself in a two-man tent right next to ours. It was maybe about two feet away from my wife and I's tent. We made the male German Shepherd sleep with her in her tent. His name is Guts. That whole first night, neither my wife and I could sleep. We both heard footsteps, and they were heavy. Not like typical forest critters scampering around the night. I was well armed, because I was paranoid from reading recently before departing about a dad in California who was shot and killed in a tent right next to his two infant daughters. Needless to say, both my wife and I had two pistols and my rifle with me as well. The dogs are great at detection, and that's why I felt my daughter could sleep alone, because Guts is completely fearless and nothing would lay a hand on her without a battle to the death. All in all, nothing but bad vibes and loud footsteps occurred that night, which I ultimately decided was deer, or maybe some elk. Day 2. Morning. We go for a walk down the road, and maybe about 300 feet away, I see an abandoned road where a rusted gatepost was covered in vegetation. Something of blue color caught my eye, and Guts immediately takes off running down this abandoned road. My heart begins to race because I think it's another family camping like us, and he's going to get himself shot or scare some innocent people to death. So I chase after him as fast as I can, and the rest follow. He stops after 20 feet under the road, and me yelling his name, but I've covered enough distance to see that there's nobody there, and that something is off about the sight. I yell. Uh, hello, anyone there? Sorry about the dog. I got no response. My curiosity gets the best of me, and I have to see what the sight conditions were. As I get closer, I know that something's wrong. It had all the necessities for a campsite, including a cooler, propane burner, tent, blankets, folding table, but every single item had been completely destroyed, smashed, and torn from what appeared to be claw marks. We walked around in circles, puzzled why anyone would leave all their camping gear behind like this, including an expensive REI tent. I figured, well, someone left in a hurry, and the animals got to the rest was the only logical explanation. Still, a propane tank and a cooler were flattened by something, and it certainly wasn't snowpack with tree coverage in that spot. As the afternoon rolls in, me and my daughter are playing at the campsite, and my wife goes walking maybe about 70 feet north to do her business. 
I do not have direct line of sight on her, but all of a sudden, I then see Guts make a mad dash straight towards her. Normally, it would always be with me unless he's called over, and she didn't call for him. His speed and focus caught my attention, and I just knew something weird was happening. So I ran over there, and my wife starts jogging at me, and I immediately draw my pistol. Guts has completely continued running into the forest another hundred feet before I call him, and he stopped. My other dog, Leia, who never misses the opportunity to be the pack leader, is not taking point. I've had her now for seven years, and this was the first time in her life she refused to leave my daughter's side. She was full hair raised and attached to us at the hip. Again, anytime we hike or play, Leia's up front bossing everything in her path and pauses to look to see where we are and continues. I asked my wife what happened, and she just said, I was trying to pee, and all of a sudden, I just felt my hairs raise. I know someone was watching me, and then I saw Guts running towards me, and I just got up to move towards you. We spent about 10 minutes looking for signs of anything, and saw no trails, broken branches, nothing to point to what and where something went. We decide we're spending one more night since it's too late to pack up and drive, but we'll all be in the big tent together. Before we go to bed, I put a rope with a makeshift coin alarm around the perimeter of our campsite. I used a mint can and some coins and keys from our truck and then zip tied it so anything hitting the rope gave a little jingle. Very unsophisticated, but it put my wife at ease. As I go to tie my last corner off at a tree near our tent, our third mystery item unveils itself. It looks like someone has done the same exact thing I've done with a rope that was so old and brown I didn't see it at first. It was broken and only a few pieces remained. But sure enough, it was tied at roughly the same height, 8 to 10 inches off the ground and even had a few rusted washers on it. I immediately felt that someone had stayed here before and put the same makeshift warning system on the same tree that I am, maybe about 10 to 15 years ago based on the condition of the rope. Perhaps my paranoia has now reached a new height, but I had to make sure the girls felt were safe, and at the time, and the only thing I could think of was when the evening came around, I made them sit in the truck, and I fired a clip of my 45 right into the dirt as a signal to whatever was out there that were armed. I reassured the girls that anybody listening to that now knows that we have two wolves and we're armed, and we're too risky of a target so we can sleep safely. That night we heard no footsteps, and the dogs never perked and barked. We left early the next morning. Fast forward to today, and I watched the Amazon Missing 411 hunted documentary, and I noticed the cluster smack dab close to where we camped that weekend, and a flood of dread rushes me as I think of that mysterious abandoned campsite with the ribbed tent, smash cooler, and the cooktop. We've been camping since, and we've enjoyed the beauty of the Northwest but there was something there at that place that possibly took or harmed someone else less than 300 feet away from where we camped. And we all think our lucky stars, Guts was doing his thing so well that afternoon. I used to work on a farm next to my house when I was younger. The farmer was a man I had known most of my life, so he allowed me access to his property whenever I wanted. Me and a few friends of mine decided to pack our stuff and go camping on that property for the night. We knew better to be out there, and to go very far without any sort of protection, given the creatures that would come out on the farm at night. But we were dumb kids, one older 
but still young enough to make unwise choices. So my four friends and I decided there are so many of us, we would be alright just to go on ahead without bringing protection. So off we went with our camping gear and a dog named Junior in tow. It's also important to note that Junior was massive and trained to be a guard dog, so having him with us made me feel a bit more at ease. We built our camp about a mile away from the house as the dusk is settling in. It was a very welcomed, chilly evening giving the scorching heat of the day. So, the oldest in our group, Don, went ahead and built us a fire to begin making our evening meal before being rambunctious kids for the rest of the evening. Finally, it was time for bed. The fire was low, but our leader decided it was best to keep the fire going while all the coyote cries were ringing out around us. I didn't personally see them as much of a threat, given they would probably have plenty of food this time of year, but whatever, better safe than sorry. We all shared a large tent, and I remember falling asleep peacefully to the sounds of the little yips and howls. Some time had passed after we had fallen asleep when something woke me up. I didn't really register any sounds at first, so I assumed it was my mind playing tricks on me. Then I heard something large running through the leaves around the tent. I bolted up at the same time Don did, and we both stared at each other. The running continued, and something brushed against the tent. We quickly woke the others, and that's when it started screaming. It sounded like a woman screaming in pain, but it was just so much louder than any person could possibly be. Since I was panicking, I didn't recognize where I had heard this noise before. When it hit the tent again, the dog was with us and started going insane and tried tearing out the door of the tent to get to whatever this thing was. Don tried to grab him, but by the time he got to Junior, he was already darting out of the tent. Don chased after him for a good while. When we got out of the tent, we saw not one, but two mountain lions outside of our tent. Maybe it was because of the sheer number of people and the massive dog that was with us, but they ran back into the forest, and Don somehow managed to grab the dog. We built up the fire again. One of us stays awake to always be on watch throughout the night, though, and I can remember a couple of times after that being woken up by them screaming from the other side of the pond. At the time, to me, it felt like they wanted us to know they were there. We heard that bone-chilling screaming all through the night. I don't know if this is normal behavior or not, considering there should have been plenty of food in the area for them, but it's a night I will never forget. I had never been happier to see daybreak. We immediately packed up our gear and headed out. The next time we went, we made sure we didn't go unprepared. Hey everyone, I want to talk about today's sponsor, Shudder. Summer is over now, and there's a chill in the air. Spooky season has arrived. So, why don't we watch some scary movies? There's no better place for horror than Shudder, which has kicked off its annual 61 Days of Halloween, a two-month supersized celebration full of new movies and series, like a brand new season of Creepshow and VHS 94, the brand new installment in the acclaimed found footage anthology franchise. And that's just the start of Shudder's unbeatable Halloween lineup. There's also new specials from Elvira and Joe Briggs, a new season of the Boulay Brothers' Dragula, their docuseries behind the monsters on the origins and pop culture dominance of all your favorite modern movie monsters, and so much more. 
you can stream chilling thrillers, horror, and suspense for just $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. Think of it as the Netflix for horror. There's new supernatural terrors, edge-of-your-seat thrillers, and shocking horrors added every week. You'll have unlimited access to stream ad-free on all your favorite devices, including your iPhone, your Android, Roku, and even your Xbox One. Shudder has a unique collection of exclusive and original films and series, horror classics, and blockbuster hits as well. I think what I really like about Shudder personally is they have a very good mixture of all your favorite classics as well as some really nice modern favorites such as Children of the Corn, Halloween, and one of my new favorites, Slasher Flesh and Blood. Get started streaming all the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content today. To try Shudder free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com and use promo code CANNIBAL. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and use promo code CANNIBAL. Each year, me and one of my closest friends, Dane, go down to visit my grandparents at their cabin in a nice, small, peaceful town in the North Georgia mountains. Me, my friend, and his grandpa are all outdoors kind of people, so we are always looking for something fun for all of us to do around the area. One night, we decided to go on a night hike on a trail not too far from the cabin. Now, this isn't the kind of trail you're probably thinking of. It really is more of a gravel dirt road, but a lot of hunters, campers, motorbikers, and backpackers use it as well. We headed out to the trail, and right as we pulled up to the trail we were going to hike on, we noticed an older, beat-up, suspicious-looking black Chevy SUV with two middle-aged men in it parked next to the entrance of the trail. Now, even though this is a rather safe area, drug deals and other kinds of sketchy activity can occur deep in these woods. So we avoided going on the trail and decided to head down to another trail about a half a mile down the road. We pulled about 50 or so feet into the trail, just outside of view from the road, parked the truck and got out and started our hike. Our hike was off to a great start until we got about a mile in. We started to hear a dog barking from probably 300 feet away. We decided to keep going, but the dog just would not stop barking, and we didn't know if the dog was on a leash or what. The last thing we wanted was to be attacked by some random dog, so eventually we did decide to turn around and head back. When we were about, I would say, a thousand or so feet away from the truck, we could see a car sitting behind my friend's grandfather's truck, running its headlights on. This instantly had us a bit worried because who just rolls up behind a random truck at 10pm at night on an isolated trail? And keep in mind, you would have to have driven into the trail to see we had parked the truck. It was not visible from the road. We stood there for about 5 minutes trying to see if we could see anybody, but since it was so dark and far away it was hard to see anything at all. Fortunately for us there was a large tree next to the trail and we were able to stay behind it so there was no way they could see us from where they were parked. My friend's grandpa took these night vision binoculars we had with us to try and get a better look, but this was still not much help. We decided we would just stand there and wait for them to turn around and leave because there was no chance we were going to walk back with this random car with potential bad people in it sitting behind our truck. After about 10 minutes of just standing there, to my absolute horror, the car drove around the truck and started to head down the trail in our direction. 
Instantly, as fast as we could, we climbed up this hill right next to us and hid behind a log that was sitting on the top. A few seconds later, that same beat-up black Chevy SUV we saw outside the other trail we were originally supposed to hike on comes driving down where we were just standing, not even 15 seconds ago. The car had its windows rolled down and started to slow down as it drove past us. Me, my friend, and Grandpa were terrified. Our hearts were pounding out of our chest, and we were scared these guys would stop and sit there, or even worse, get out and start looking for us. Fortunately for us, though, the car just kept driving and never stopped. As soon as the car was out of sight, we got out of our hiding spot, booked it back to the truck, and got the heck out of there. I know this may not be as scary as some of the others, but it was frightening. We don't know who or what those guys wanted. My guess is they had a stash on that trail deeper in the woods and thought we stumbled upon it or something, and were out to confront us or even worse. A lot of things could have gone wrong. We could have walked up to the truck just as they pulled in, and what if they… what if they had bad intentions? What if they slashed the tires of the truck, or what if they turned their headlights off and sat there and waited for us to come back and ambush us? My friend and his grandpa went back in the daytime a few days later to that exact spot where we were hiding and looked around. They also took a few pictures of that area as well. The first picture is where we were standing, looking at the truck and the car behind it. Off in the distance, you can see our truck parked. That's exactly where we had it parked at that same night. Just off to the left is the hill we rushed up to hide from the car. In the second picture, you can see where our hiding spot was after my friend and his grandpa went back. They said we were very lucky to have made it up there successfully, as it seemed impossible to do as fast as we did, especially with all the shrubs and thorns in the way. If we got up there, even two seconds later, we would have been seen. I can only imagine what could have happened if we didn't make it up that hill and those guys saw us. Hi, my name is Gregory. Me and my parents really loved to go camping, so every weekend we would go out to the woods and camp there until Sunday afternoon. There was this one particular night that I'll never forget. Me and my family were heading to a forest when we saw this guy who seemed to be speed walking towards us. I was about 13 at the time and I felt really confident in myself, so I didn't really care. My parents just froze as if they were somehow glued to the ground. I tried to go towards the guy but my parents just pulled me back. When the guy got close to us, he said something to us that sort of made my parents a little less scared. Hey, watch out for the bears. There's a lot of those bad boys out here, so be careful. My parents just said okay and walked past him. I followed. When we got to a nice place in the forest, the guy was there. We were kind of freaked out, but what the guy said to me, that's what really freaked my parents out. You know, you look kind of cute, he said. The thank you, I replied. The guy then started to complain about how he used to come camping here and he wanted to show us around. Now, this seemed kind of weird to me because, I mean, what can be in the forest besides trees, other plants, and animals? My mom looked at my dad, who then looked like he was about to beat the guy to a pulp. Then in a quick turn of events, the guy grabbed my arm and then started running with me. I was shocked. My 13-year-old mind decided to kick the man in the ankle and then run back to the campsite. I kicked him and he tumbled down, still holding my hand. What the fuck is wrong with you? He asked angrily. I started crying, hoping that my parents would hear me. 
The guy kept running, but was now dragging me. It was as if I was a dead body. We had finally arrived to where I guess the man was going to take me. There were three men sitting on logs, and there was a shed behind them. One of the guys had a knife, and the others had forks. Holy shit, that's a freaking knife! I said out loud. The guy that was holding me was covering my mouth. I had heard some rustling in the trees, and I thought that it was a bear, like the guy had mentioned earlier. Instead, in a wave of relief, my parents came out. The guy saw them, and he then tossed me to the guy with the knife. Now that I was close to him, I started to get goosebumps, and I was feeling really cold, despite the fact that I was wearing a sweater. The guy pointed the point of the knife to my head, and then looked at my parents, then saying, Give me your money, or I take your boy. My parents were absolutely shaking, but cooperated. Okay, look, just, just give me some time to go get our wallets. My dad had said while they ran into the forest while my mom stayed behind. When my dad finally got back, he gave all three men $300 and asked to have me back. The man with the knife then handed me over to my parents, then said, You better not tell a soul about what happened here. Me and my parents then ran to our campsite to get all of our things and then ran to our car, then speeding away as fast as possible. When we later got home, we decided just to go to bed. I had some nightmares, but I was really relieved not to be dead. But to those crazy men who might have killed me, I don't know where you are, but I really hope you're in jail. When I was a young teenager, my older sister and I had took a summer job at a summer camp as camp counselors. During our employee two-week training where they train us and they have us take a few days each to test out each campsite at the camp, an interesting phenomenon happened that my older sister and I never knew we could do. Although it made sense later why we would always get in trouble when we were younger and sharing the same room for talking late into the night. Now at first, we weren't paired at the same campsite around the summer camp. We were having a lot of fun wandering around, trying all the amenities, going to our training sessions, cleaning for the campers who were coming in two weeks, and exploring all over the camp. We would look into every nook and cranny that we were allowed to during the day, and we'd look into the ones we weren't allowed to during the night. So far, the week was a blast. We heard all the camp ghost stories about all the haunted areas of the camp. And each night, we took one story each and then tried to investigate it and either see if it was true or debunk it. We were only able to debunk one ghost story, and that was the ghost lantern story, where if you walk down the main path to the front of the camp to go to the stables at night, you'll see a ghostly light bobbing up and down. We ended up finding out that it was really just an optical illusion by a light from the stables. We even went to some of the dangerous parts of the camp as well. We went out to the old dock that was rotten and falling apart to see the place where slave ships would stop and dock to drop off slaves to the old plantation house that still stood looming over the grounds of the camp. It was super eerie and fun. We even explored the old rotting plantation home that had no way upstairs or downstairs as a huge flood one year swept in and then flooded the house, rotting the stairs to both places off. But it was kind of fun to think what types of ill-mannered ghouls and animals lived in a flooded basement. But having a haunted mess hall that would always sound like there was clanking dishes and a hundred people talking inside, that wasn't the highlight of the scary happenings at that camp those two weeks. Even the cooking staff wouldn't stay past dark at this camp. No, it was the start of the second week when my older sister and I were paired up with two other people to try out the cabins that was just across the lake from the mess hall. 
we were the last four people to try that place out. It happened in the middle of the night. One of the counselors got up to go to the bathroom and noticed that my sister and I were facing each other, just staring at each other with our eyes open. She just thought maybe we couldn't sleep, so she left and then came back. As soon as she sat back down on her cot, my older sister sat bolt upright and started to rapidly talk in French, with her eyes glossed over and wide open. She got up and went over to her and tried to shake her awake. All of a sudden, she said I sat up, turned my head to her, and said don't touch, with that same glossy look in my eyes. My older sister then turned her head, our eyes met each other, and we both started to talk in French back and forth. The funny and creepy thing about all this is I don't know any French, nor have I ever studied a single word of it, so this freaked her out even more. She rushed over to the other counselor and tried to shake her awake. The only issue was she wouldn't wake. So she sat in terror watching us sit and talk to each other in French and then look towards her and talk in another language she didn't recognize. Then after about 20 minutes of this, we just closed her eyes and fell back on the bed. She quit the next day. The cam didn't allow my sister and I to room together ever after that to ease the minds of the other counselors and paired me with the one girl in our group that night because apparently I talk in my sleep and she's a really hard sleeper so it was a match made in heaven. My older sister doesn't seem to respond unless I'm in the same room. Apparently, we learned that clairvoyance runs in our family, and both my sister and I when we were super young, we had this time where we would just turn to someone, and we'd tell them when this particular person was going to die at this specific time, but the older we got, the less we would do it. Apparently, when the two of us are asleep and in the same room, we act as a catalyst and are able to access that power. However, I'm able to do it all on my own when asleep.